Nine. Okay, settle down. Nine. Take it easy. Nine. What the scallop? I'm a goofy goober! Good day to everyone out there and welcome to the Fantasy Football Goobers episode number two. My name is Zach Clinton. We got some great content coming your way, I think. One man show here, so who knows how well it'll be. I can't stand listening to my own voice on recordings, so bless you if you're still tuning in. Sorry for this episode coming out so far after the first, but I hope to kind of crack the whip on myself and start releasing episodes weekly. In today's little uh, shindig, we'll be going over my perceived top-tier running backs for 2019 and the relative strengths and weaknesses. Personally, I feel like my top tier is a little bit different compared to some others, especially the boys at ESPN and Fantasy Pros, so I thought I'd just explain myself. Just let the rest of the fantasy community is at least on board for what I'm thinking. These are essentially for both Auction and Snake, but these rankings will make a little bit more sense for Auction as I'll be going over relative player values, which just adds a little more depth for the analysis. Forward for my rankings, as well just so that you understand where I'm coming from. I generally use both statistics and my gut feeling. Some players may have succeeded and or had injuries in the past, uh, Delvin Cook, but right now we are focusing on the future. For these tier 1 guys, pretty much all of them are largely informed on stats, and the gut feeling players really won't kind of kick in until that tier 2, which I'll be going over at a later date. Um, but I digress. So, before you grab your pitchforks and scold me for placing so-and-so in this spot and so on and so in that spot, I'm going to hit you with some quick housekeeping. First on my checklist of things to say is that you should give us a follow on Twitter if you haven't already. The handle that we're going to be tweeting them deets at is at FantasyGoobers, and I am more than willing to interact with all of you sweet people out there on the old Twitter machine. Next up, website. You can follow these exact tiers that are updated weekly throughout the draft season at www.fantasyfootballgoobers.com. While you're there, you can also check out various articles that will be released throughout the season and drop us a dime if you'd so choose. The link provided on our website is to Venmo, and the link that's provided in the podcast description is through PayPal, if I'm not mistaken. Either way works, and everything is very much appreciated. I will remind you that half of all donations this season will be going straight to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, so I'd encourage you to help support this wonderful charity, as well as our podcast. As I'll always say, nothing is ever expected, but all is appreciated immensely. All right, let's talk running backs, friends. And now, to kick off our list, going at the number one spot is... Saquon Barkley. I guess a spoiler alert for number two on our list as well, uh, but Saquon and Elliott are more of a 1A and 1B kind of situation, I feel like, this season. I will not argue with anyone if they prefer Zeke and the Freaks over Saquads. Uh, the main reason why Elliott is one spot lower is because of the tread on the tires, so to say. Dumb reason, but, you know, it just be like that sometimes, I guess. The negatives people keep throwing in Saquon's camp are essentially revolving around the offense as a whole. However, I see the Giants' offense being an absolute plus with the amount of emphasis it will be on Saquon this year. I mean, the numbers don't lie. 
Over 2,000 all-purpose yards and 14 total touchdowns with 91 catches is pretty much all you want from your running back. While the Giants did lose OBJ, they did improve their O-line with the addition of Kevin Zeitler from the Browns at guard, which will help ward off the added emphasis defenses might throw his way. I doubt the offense will be as putrid as it was, and even if a QB change does happen out east in New York switching to Eli Manning Part 2 in Daniel Jones, uh, I just see this as more dump-ops to Saquon, in my opinion. Saquon also had 94 broken tackles in 2018, and the next closest was Christian McCaffrey at 63. That is a 31 broken tackle difference, or almost two broken tackles per game, which is just more yards. You know, it's just absurd how talented he is. In my rankings, I have Saquon going at $65 for auction drafts, which is pretty much top of the line. Some people might be spending $70, and I don't blame them. Um, but for me personally, $65 is kind of the cap for most top-tier players that I would be spending. For Saquon, I'm not scared off by the lesser offense for the Giants, I just think this coming season is going to be more of the same that we saw in 2018. Um, so, you know, that's that. Um, as already mentioned, running back number two for our list for 2019, or 1B, however you want to look at it, will be Ezekiel Elliott, running back for the Dallas Cowboys. Zeke B, what he be. And that's a workhorse. Like Barkley, he's everything you want from a fantasy running back. He's got a sole proprietorship stake in that backfield that he's in, and he is now even sprinkling in those all-important receptions. Even though he hasn't played a full 16 yet in the NFL, uh, 15, 10, and 15 in the last three seasons, when he plays, he's cash money. In 2017, when he only played in those 10 games, he still finished on the season as the overall RB10. The reason why he's so high this season is because he finally broke through that glass ceiling in receptions last season. It's already been highlighted by many, 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 many other so-called fantasy experts that after hovering around 30-ish receptions Zeke's first two seasons, he jumped all the way up to 77 last year, roughly adding up to two fantasy points more per game in PPR settings. I am going to go out on a limb here and just assume that he will be staying around that 70 to 80 mark as he is a great pass catcher. Those were all targets that were meant to go to him and weren't force-fed in the way that Carlos Hyde was two seasons ago in San Francisco. My guys, you can say what you will about Dak, but it's no secret he isn't as developed and seasoned as a passer as the other guys in the league. Scave my arse, all you Cowboy fans, but if there's one thing Dak is good at is that he can check it down to Zeke with the best of them. For the potential concerns of Zeke, the addition of Amari Cooper and the emergence of Gallup paired with Randall Cobb and Jason Witten being inserted may take a little weight off of Zeke's shoulders, but I still see this team relying on Zeke for his typical 20-plus touches a game, as he has averaged each of his first three seasons. The Cowboys want to run the ball, no matter the weapons they have on the outside. Supposedly, there is a 375-touch curse uh, for running backs that's been going around, and Zeke would qualify for that list. Kyle Lee at FF Recon. Uh, go check him out if you haven't already. Unreal analysis this guy puts out on the reg. 
Um, but yeah, he sent me this list of running backs that have had 375 carries in a season and what they did the next season. And there's a and there's a pretty strong trend of running backs that poop the bed, so to say, the next season. Most of the guys on the list, like Maurice Jones, Drew, and Le'Veon Bell, had injuries that could have been due to a massive workload from the previous season, um, but I would personally chalk them up to freak incidents. Bell had an ACL, and MJD was shut down for ankle issues after he got surgery after the big season that he had had. Maybe you read into the spooky 375 carry curse for Zeke, but personally, I'm all in on Zeke, and as should you, after his 2,000 all-purpose yard, 77 catch, and 9 total touchdown mark from a season ago. Yards and catches should remain the same for Elliott, and touchdowns could even go up with better passing weapons surrounding him to balance out the offense. If Dak is throwing the ball all over Jerry World and getting tons of yards, the Cowboys are going to find themselves in the end zone more than likely, which is where Zeke eats. All I can say is that hopefully Dak doesn't trip and stumble on all of that fat stacks that he's swindling the Cowboys for. Hashtag Kirk Cousins Truthers Unite. Next player up to bat is going to be my personal favorite, Christian McCaffrey. I grabbed him this past year in every redraft league I could possibly do it and definitely reap those rewards. When it comes to consistency, there's none better than CMC last season. He started off just a little bit rough, not bad, but he put up some poopers in week two, five, and six. But from then on, he was pulling serious weight for fantasy teams. I'm slightly biased, so I might be overlooking some concerns CMC might be having uh, this coming year, mainly pertaining to Cam Newton's health. But if I'm a betting man, I'm thinking that all systems are a go again for McCaffrey. Reports about a week or two ago uh, were saying that Cam is back to throwing real footballs and not those childish as shiz, nerf-or-nothing balls that Luck was throwing at this point last season. McCaffrey also averaged around two touches within the 10 zone per game in 2018, which is a pretty good stat if you're trying to score some points. Not accounting for breakaway runs, catches, if you told me that my running back was getting two shots on the goal line each game, guaranteed, put it in the bag, money on the mind. I'm all aboard that train of thought. It seems as though that the Panthers are counting on the emergence of pretty much every other pass-catching weapon, and if I had to hedge my bets, I would say CMC will remain the top dog in targets for that offense, which, by the way, since entering the league, has been around 120 in his tenuous two seasons. Don't read my CMC love in the way that I don't like DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Ian Thomas to all break out. It's more the fact that having all three of those players uptick in targets enough to eat into CMC's share in a run-first offense, mind you, is a little unbelievable to me, in my honest opinion. DJ Moore had 82 targets, Curtis Samuel had 65, and Ian Thomas had 49 in 2018. McCaffrey is a lock as a top three back, and I would say that it's about as sure as a bet as uh, Barkley and Elliott, and could easily have propositions formulated for him to be someone's 101. For our ranking, though, he's hovering at around $58, and as with all values in our rankings, these are generally advised ceiling prices that you should be paying. But hey, uh, I'm not your dad. I'm more of a, more of a responsible uncle that kind of guides you to success. 
If you want to spend $65 on CMC, go for it. I won't stop you. All I'm trying to do here is kind of to put relative dollar spots up for players just so you know and kind of so you can get a sense of if you overpaid by a lot or a little on a guy. As long as you're comfortable with your spending within reason, you know, I can't change you. All right, coming in at our RB4 for now is Alvin Kamara. I think CMC, Saquon, and Ezekiel Elliott are all those unquestionable 101 picks that could go for around $60 plus, and I wouldn't feel too ashamed at all for spending that much money. Camara for me, is where spending that $55 plus kind of hurts the piggy bank a lot. Don't get me wrong, I love Camara, but he is one of those guys where I start to question the high price tags. The hype on Camara is that this year he is going to be the sole owner of that backfield for the Saints. But with the two steps forward in that narrative, the Saints releasing Mark Ingram, they took two steps back in the signing of Latavius Murray. To me, a four-year, $14 million contract for Latavius is quite a hefty investment for a guy that people seem to expect to just heat Kamara's towels on the sideline. Kamara had 42 total attempts from the 10 zone last season, which is where he made his hay in touchdowns, but if there's one thing the Tay Train can do, it's that he's an exceptional at running between the tackles in short yardage situations. The reason I don't like Kamara as much as Saquon, Zeke, and McCaffrey is mainly because it's much easier to bank on volume with those three guys compared to Kamara's absurd efficiency. If Kamara has a bad game on his 15-ish touches per game that you're getting, you're screwed for that week. I'd rather have an RB that is locked and loaded for 300-plus touches on the season compared to around the 260 to 275 that Kamara's been getting the last two years. Throw in an aging Drew Brees and Latavius Murray that's going to be leeching some touchdowns, potentially. You know, I just don't, I'm not as hot on Kamara as some other people are at this moment. Chug a lug a lug a luggin down my list here, and the RB5 in my rankings has been screaming up my charts in the past few weeks here, and that's David Johnson. David Johnson is finding himself comfortably at the five spot uh, due to many reasons. One, he is legitimately one of the only few running backs in the league that easily have that 1,000 1,000 rushing and receiving season potential, the others being those that are ahead of him in my rankings. I will have you bear in mind that he was only 126 yards away back in 2016. Next reason why I like him so much is that last season, which was widely deemed a failure for the draft capital people put into him, a la Cameron in my home league, <clears throat> mostly because I bit him up, but yeah, it was deemed a failure, but he still finished as the RB9 in half point and full point PPR, which is kind of nutso to think about. Johnson didn't hit that 1,000-yard rushing mark and was mainly kept afloat by his 50 catches for 440 yards through the air. Most of his inefficiencies last year were due to poor offensive scheming and O-line play, but now he's got a fresh slate with Cliff Kingsbury at the helm. Kingsbury has been known to get his running backs involved at Texas Tech, uh, so the hype for David Johnson has been building in recent months. Not to mention... He also has the QB he wants in Kyler Murray, who I believe from a pure town standpoint is a better QB than Josh Rosen is uh, by a long shot. Bold considering that we haven't seen a snap from Kyler yet, but going off of pure college prospects, Murray takes the cake, I feel. Uh, the whole reason that Cliff Kingsbury pretty much got the job in Arizona is because of his potentially innovative offense on paper. 
which is one thing the Cardinals sure as hell did not have last year. If you have a stallion in Johnson and you only run him up the gut, you will and should expect that meaty 3.6 yards per carry to follow. There has been a little buzz about Chase Edmonds, but to me, it means nothing. As with any lead back, you always need somebody to back up and kind of stave some carries off, so Chase Edmonds is meh to me. I'm pounding the table. This is going to be the last season that I will be all hot and bothered by David Johnson. I swear, at least for the $53 price tag that I have him at as of now, I'm pretty comfy paying that price, and if I missed out on the previous four backs in the tier one that I have, and I wanted an elite running back on my roster, $60 isn't necessarily an overpay in my opinion. It all comes down to getting who you want, within reason. Now, the last guy that I have in my tier one of running backs is Melvin Gordon of the Los Angeles Chargers. I really don't have too much to say on him as I'm not as hyped for him as the other players I have ranked above him. But due to sheer bell cow status, he's got to get the nod for my RB6 spot. Gordon might have only played in 12 games last year, but when he did, he was elite, averaging around 18 fantasy points a game. Even with Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler lurking in that backfield, Gordon averaged a healthy 18-ish touches a game. While on all those points are all fine and dandy, I do want to highlight some reasons why I'm more hesitant with Gordon than I am with other players that are even a tier or two lower than him. First and foremost is going to be his injury history. Since Gordon has entered the league, his games played are as follows. 13 games in 2015, 11 in 2016, a full 16 in 2017, and then 12 games in 2018. He's had quite a few knee injuries, which include an MCL sprain last season, a PCL strain in 2016, and a knee cartilage. Owners of Gordon know all too well about his disappearing acts, most notably last year when he yeeted on y'all by not starting in the London game that kind of kicked off there in the wee hours of the morning. Another caution I'll throw at you is the stat per Jeff Radcliffe on Twitter that Melvin Gordon only had five goal line carries last year, which was 38th in the league among eligible players. As he states, even though he still achieved 10 rushing touchdowns last season, you might consider some touchdown regression coming if those stats stay the same. The presumed emergence of Mike Williams coupled with Hunter Henry's return could spell less red zone attempts for Gordon. I might just be a worrywart, but of the top running backs, Gordon easily has the most question marks, in my opinion. Outside of Todd Gurley, that is. Uh, Alright, so here's the deal. I was going to put Dalvin Cook in Tier 1, but as I've been writing this episode, I've had to drop him to the top of the second tier right before Joe Mixon. In my opinion, Cook and Mixon are pretty equal and have the best potential to finish as a top 5 RB for this next season. It just really depends on who you want to throw your faith behind. So, let's get into the negatives first for Dalvin Cook, uh, because that's the portion that trips people up when they're hesitant uh, to believe in Dalvin Cook for this coming year. We'll start off with the injuries, because that's kind of the part that uh, everybody gets kind of tripped up the most on for Dalvin Cook. In my opinion, so this is kind of the narrative that I follow, so his rookie season, he tears his ACL, and the heart of many fantasy and Viking fans out there have their heart ripped out. Fast forward to 2018, and he had to deal with hamstring issues during the beef of the season. But yeah, I will also point out that the Vikings purposely shut him down until the bye to make sure that he was 100% go for the second half of the season, 
And once that second half of the season came, he was solid as solid can be. My reasoning for his hamstring issues come from my belief that the ACL surgery that he had to undergo forced him to miss regularly scheduled workouts to get him ready for the NFL season last year. Week 3, Dalvin goes out there and he tweaks his hammy because his body wasn't ready to be a full go uh, for the season. But now, in 2019, after a strong finish to 2018, he'll be fully healthy and recovered from all of his leg ailments. Hopefully. The other thing that is keeping people from buying into Dalvin seems to be Alexander Madison and his potential fill-in as the Latavius Murray role in this offense. I will grant you that, yes, that is what he was brought in to be, mind you, with a third-round investment. Considerable, but not super considerable. But, I mean, I guess with the Vikings, they did need other parts, so, hey, whatever. Water under the bridge. Um, But this is Dalvin's backfield, in my opinion, for 2019. After it was all said and done, Murray averaged around six carries a game when Dalvin was back after the bye, which is just as much as Wayne Gallman. And let me tell you, I don't consider Gallman a threat to Saquon's usage, so why should I with Madison, in my opinion? Yes, I will also grant you that Madison might leech a few touchdowns and may end up averaging around eight touches a week, but still, don't get me wrong, he's a high-value backup, so if you draft Delvin for the $50 price tag I have him set at, I'd easily recommend snatching Madison up for about $10 to $13 as well. He might even drop in price as well come the season, if uh, Dalvin kind of shows his worth. Can't remember who sauced the spicy take on Twitter, but if Cook misses considerable time early in the season, he might not get that job back, which I kind of agree with. Cook is still under contract for 2020, but in the long term, logically, why would the Vikings not give Madison the job, or at least an opportunity, if he fits in well instead of tripping on what would be an injury-prone running back at that point in Delvin Cook. Quick pause, these are all the things I'm trying to tell myself to keep myself hyped for my boy Delvin. So, after we got through those negatives, now let's go to the positives for Delvin Cook. In the final four weeks of the regular season, Cook averaged 14.75 carries, 3.25 catches, 103.5 yards from scrimmage, and scored three touchdowns. I'm going to feel very dirty about doing this considering I myself acknowledge his injury concerns, but, and it's a pretty big badonkadonk, if you stat that albeit small sample size of Dalvin Cook's usage with Kevin Stefanski as the offensive coordinator in Minnesota for a full 16-game season, Cook would have ended up around 280 total touches, 1,600 total yards from scrimmage, and about 10 total touchdowns. Mind you again, that's barring his health And, kind of more on the positive side, those stats are coming from a background of terrible, no good, horrible, very bad offensive line play. Now, for this coming season, the O-line is revamped with Drew Samia, Garrett Bradbury, Josh Klein, and then Pat Elfline is also shifting over to his natural guard position in the NFL from center. Stefanski also will be running a more run-centric offense with the help of Gary Kubiak being added in this past offseason. Kubiak has been known to have successful zone running schemes in the past back in Denver, and now he's bringing it back up north in Minnesota here. Again, Dalvin Cook is not in my tier one, but at around a $50 price tag, he's about as close to the fringe as you can get. I had to do some honest soul-searching when I moved DJ above him in my rankings, but logically, there's no way in a draft I spend more on Cook than I would on DJ in almost any circumstance. 
all in all, in my opinion, the top seven guys are Saquon, Zeke, CMC, Kamara, David Johnson, Melvin Gordon, Dalvin Cook, and then also Joe Mixon. I think in that order is pretty much practically set in stone. I have the utmost confidence in spending $50 plus on all of these players. And if you can get a discount on them, you know, I'm all about it. More power to you. Well, that's all I got to say about that. That should wrap it up for this episode today. I plan on ripping out a string of episodes in the coming weeks. So if you're still here, uh, please keep on listening. I swear, if I happen to see you in person, I'll give you a nice big old Minnesotan howdy doody. So with that to kind of wrap it all out, uh, I'll just say check out our rankings on thefantasyfootballgoobers.com and uh, yeah, like and subscribe, you know. This has been Zach Clint and I'll be signing off. See ya.